kind of want to just go through uh, introducing ourselves and then uh, talking about the title, basically related. Um, so, Father John. Yeah, so I am Father Jonathan Torres. I am a Catholic priest serving in the Diocese of Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, I've been a priest for almost two years now. And my background, um, before entering seminary, uh, I was a liter literature um, major, went to Belmont A.B. College in North Carolina, uh, and yeah, that's essentially a short snippet of who I am. Um, it should be said, too, that we're brothers, and so I'm going to do my best to call you father or yes. whatever. <laughs> um, father, brother. Yeah. yeah, if I call you John, that's just... My apologies ahead of time. Sure. <laughs> yes, yes. I was thinking about that. I was like, I got to remember to call you Father John or yeah. Father Torres. You know, there's, there's yeah. no uh, purgatory time for <laughs> a mistake there. So it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm Lee. I am not fully related yet to either one of you, <laughs> but I am almost related. Um, I will soon be marrying your sisters. Yes. Your sister. Yeah. Sisters. No polygamy. Hopefully yeah. no, no, not plural. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not, not plural. Um, uh, and I think my, my personal involvement with this was, uh, or getting interested in this was five years of seminary education, um, in two different dioceses <laughs> and three different seminaries. So a lot of background. Uh, I also went to a Catholic college, um, for three years. So some education there, um, as well as some involvement with the Carmelites around here. So, uh, that's where my philosophical and theological knowledge comes from. Uh, but I studied psychology in undergrad. I have an undergrad degree in psychology. And I wanted to study psychology since I was in the seventh grade, probably. Wow. Oh, really? I, I really, there was something, uh, going back and looking at my childhood, I know how the language to kind of describe what that was. And it was, I was very interested in people hmm. more than hmm. things. Right. You know, I, I, like I, I was interested in human behavior and how people thought and uh, ma mainly helping people. I like, I wanted to help people. I wanted them to help them overcome their problems. Um, so that, that's what set me on psychology. So pretty much since, uh, since high school, I've, I've read psychology off and on. Wow. So that's, 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 awesome. that's my, my interest here. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cool. Actually, yeah, I don't think I've ever really said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that so much. Yeah. I didn't know it went that far back. Yeah. So yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That there's, so there's a two tone, um, meaning to the title basically related is that, um, what we're going to be talking about is basically related to all the things, all the various topics, but also the fact that we're all, the three of us are basically related. Yes. 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 I, like, right. I really yeah, like I say, that. Yeah. Um, uh, my name is Matt and I am a singer, songwriter, producer, musician, um, father of five children, uh, nine to eight months. And I have no formal education in this stuff. Um, I have, I have a bachelor's in exercise science, um, but ever since, uh, just kind of figuring out what to, how to make a career out of music, uh, raising a family, um, they all kind of led to this point of being really interested in philosophy and, and various different top topics, including psychology, um, and just reading a bunch, anything that, um, father Torres, uh, was, uh. <laughs> reading, you know, he'd pass along and be like, you should read this. I'm, I'm, I'm learning about this. And it was just really interesting. Uh, it interested me to just kind of read whatever I could. Um, and then listening to talks and then hearing, uh, different authors they were referencing and then picking up what they were reading and just right. kind of keep going down that, that rabbit hole. Um, yeah. 
So let's go to um, the title, basically related. Uh, there's something uh, that kind of speaks to uh, symbolism or in like a, a psychological or union way, like archetype. Um, and so that kind of is a good frame for how we want to uh, kind of view the world. And so the, the, the things we talk about in this podcast are not going to just be about archetypes and symbolism. They're, they're, they're going to be so varied, but hopefully what we want to do is kind of paint a picture of our worldview um, and kind of seeing things from uh, a perspective that sees the connectedness and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any of you guys want to? Well, I thought, yeah, I thought it was interesting when you were introducing yourself. You said you have no formal training in this stuff. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, if we're taking the podcast name seriously, um, everything's basically related. And so even, you know, in your exercise science background, um, you can still glean some kind of connectedness to a bigger picture, right? You know, and especially coming from a Catholic background, um, you know, mm -hmm. my, my especially um, living out my priesthood, to realize that everything kind of is pointing upwards towards God. If there's one source, you know, if there's just one source of everything, then that means that everything has to be basically related. You know, this is not something that we're kind of doing, um, trying to arbitrarily force connections, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but mm -hmm. it's actually uh, the idea that everything's basically related is uh, a belief that there's one source, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of like a top-down way to look at it, you know, um, from God, and then everything comes out of that. Right. But I just thought it was funny that you said, like, you have no formal training in this stuff, and yet here we are, right? Yeah. Um, so everything kind of can lead you to a, 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 a source. Um, right. Or, or everything can, yeah, you can find connections in everything. So. Yeah. 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 I, I think my introduction to patterns and relatedness and symbols was studying scripture you know um first with like the you know, the the church fathers especially you know saint augustine because they had this really um symbolic way of interpreting scripture mm. um you know i didn't you know take my faith too seriously in college but when i started coming back to it saint augustine was one of the first authors i started reading and it i found it incredibly engaging because yeah. you know uh, you know, something like the parable of the Good Samaritan. Mm. He would, you know, he took the Good Samaritan parable and interpreted it symbolically. You know, that the robbers are sin that robs mm -hmm. you and strips you and robs you of your dignity. Yeah. You know, the oil and wine is grace and charity. You know, the two coins are the two sides of, uh, or the two precepts of charity, mm. um, love of God and love of neighbor. And I remember reading that and thinking, this is this is a very, this is a different way of looking at scripture. Yeah. And, and then um, when you start studying the patterns in scripture, you know, like the tree of life in, in Genesis reappears in Revelation. Yeah. It's right. like, wait, what is this? And like, there's so many patterns in scripture that it made me think that, you know, maybe there's, there's patterns, not just here in scripture, but like kind of like all over, all yeah. over life mm -hmm. yeah. um, in a way. And that, that was, I had never experienced that before. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting. You mentioned Augustine. For me, um, Augustine's um, work on Christian doctrine was actually kind of an impetus, um, part of me coming to kind of um, realize the connectedness of all things. It was, um, he, he essentially, um, Augustine teaches that everything in Scripture, if it doesn't explicitly reference Christ, it implicitly references Christ. Right, um, right. And so he, but then he even expanded that idea outside of, scripture 
And he said everything in the world actually implicitly right. references yeah. Christ. And so yeah. he has a great um, image of a dogwood flower, um, which is a four-petaled white flower. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the tips of the flower, um, the color is red. And so he like breaks apart the symbolism in this flower, saying mm-hmm. it's a four-petaled flower representing the cross. The red represents the blood of Christ. Uh, and, and I mean, you know, if, if you're not... Um, coming at this naively, in a sense, you can kind of just say this ridiculous. You're just, you know, imposing, uh, imposing your own uh, interpretation that's arbitrary onto anything. And, you know, it sounds like that there's a validity to that claim. But at the same time, if you're coming from this understanding again that there's one source, um, then it's not an entirely invalid view, right? It, it's a, it's a, like again, it's a worldview. Like mm-hmm. you said, we're explaining a worldview. And it's like seeing the world as in, in this, like through a Christian's lens. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what Augustine is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you read scripture like that, but then you can even see the world as all pointing to Christ, yeah. right? Yeah, so. I, I feel like my um, uh, intro to this was kind of more like a lived experience than like reading yeah. and then being like, what is this? Yeah. Um, it started because like I was. Uh, trying to make a business out of music, simultaneously raising kids, and then also being an artist. Um, so as an artist, I'm already like looking for connections and trying to speak yeah. metaphorically or symbolically, like tell stories, um, the kind of like parable um, way of writing. Um, and so listening to eventually, what was it Elisa, who, uh, our sister, um, who recommended Jordan Peterson? Um, like years back, yeah. but he was in the yeah. middle of uh, coming out with his biblical lectures. And she was like, yeah, there's this guy, a uh, psychologist who's like uh, putting out these lectures. I was like, yeah, I'll listen to him. Cause like, you know, like between her and you, I just kind of like eat up whatever you guys dished out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But um, so I started listening to these uh, lectures on Genesis, which is like, this is going to be a cool little like intro to like religion and the Bible that I'm like unfamiliar with um, from a psychological perspective. But then he did what he would call a multi-layered analysis and start to connect things and be like, so here's Cain and Abel, but also here's Marxism and here's, <laughs> yeah. here's you with your child and yeah. here's yeah. Um, you with your spouse. And, you yeah. know, and here's also here's yeah. how um, capitalism works, yeah. like all these different things. And then it started turning lights on for me in my own practice. Like I see that pattern in my children. I see that pattern in my business when I'm like Googling how to start an LLC. Like I see these patterns of Pareto distributions and all these things. And it started, again, it started painting a picture of a worldview that was, that was new to me. Yeah. Um, and so it, it was through that kind of lived experience that I started to um, really just kind of come to, to really appreciate this stuff and just dive deeper into all these different avenues. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think besides the my second encounter kind of uh, with scripture wasn't just learning about it in the different senses of scripture that you can interpret it or the symbolic nature of it but it was also the fact that you were supposed to be a part of scripture hmm. you know hmm. so when Jordan Peterson interprets Cain and Abel it's like well you could be either one of these characters right like this isn't just like some story about a guy mm-hmm. who didn't get his way and killed his brother mm-hmm. it's actually if you're not careful you will become Cain. Right. If yeah. you let sin or if you let resentment eat you, you will become this person. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess that's Lexio Divina, you know, divine mm-hmm. reading, reading, you know, reading yourself into scripture. Um, and 
when I when I saw Jordan Peterson start doing that, it was it was it was really incredible. It was actually not my first encounter with a I guess a psychological interpretation of scripture. Uh, in college, I read a a psychologist, a social psychologist named Eric Fromm, mm-hmm. um, and he has a book called Escape from Freedom, and it's part of it is the idea that it's the common motif of wanting to go back to Eden. Like people want to go back to the the paradisal comfort. Mm-hmm. And he interpreted the Genesis story as when Adam and Eve ate the apple, their eyes were opened, consciousness came to be. So it wasn't necessarily sin, you know, and we, we would have, you know, maybe take issue with the interpretation, but sure. it was the idea that consciousness was awakened mm-hmm. when Adam and Eve ate the apple. So mm-hmm. I was, I was familiar with the psychological interpretation, but I think uh, Jordan Pearson took it to the, the next level yeah, like I said and yeah, adding sure. these layers yeah. to it for sure right I think um, for me when my eyes were open like that that um, that moment where uh, I kind of saw the relatedness of all things uh, the connections uh, it was reading um, Augustine uh, on Christian doctrine that was part of it but it was really um, my first philosophy class at Belmont Abbey uh, you know we grew up Catholic mm-hmm. uh, Matt and I grew up Catholic Certainly. Uh, and Lee. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we all grew up Catholic. But, um, you know, in our household, um, in my household, Matt's household, we practiced a faith. Uh, we were interested in it. Um, you know, we, we studied apologetics and went to Mass every Sunday. We, we prayed as a family. But it wasn't until I went to Belmont Abbey and saw the natural foundations uh, for mm. Christianity, where I was like, this is bigger than just a hobby, or this is bigger than what I do on Sunday, mm-hmm. you know, th- this is actually like, this is an entire world. And I remember it was studying specifically, um, Plato, Aristotle, um, where I saw the natural foundation for not only Christianity, but for just truth in general, right. Or, or for beauty. And here were these ancient philosophers, um, using reason alone, you know, they didn't have faith saying things that just allowed Christianity to essentially have its own natural foundation, right? And, and so I remember, you know, the first class that uh, I ever took uh, with the late Dr. Preston, he's passed away now, one of the greatest professors I've ever had. He wrote, you know, on the board, there is no truth. And, uh, and we essentially, the whole class had a, a conversation about the nature of truth. Mm. And my eyes were open. I was like, this, like, you have to understand this in order to jump to the truths of Christianity. Like, you know, and so for me, it was like, you know, that, that rational approach mm-hmm. um, that then led me to the threshold of, okay, now I can go uh, live a life of faith a little bit more deeply. Right. Um, and so, yeah, again, like, you know, we growing up Catholic, all well and good, and it was extremely important, but it had to be more than just important. It had to be all encompassing. Um, and, and I think that that's what, uh, the idea of everything that's related uh, comes from. Uh, yep. Christianity can't be um, something that you uh, put on top of an already existing worldview. Um, Christianity has to be that worldview, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And I think, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people treat Christianity that way, where it's, um, I have my understanding, a materialistic understanding of how the world, the way the world works, and then and then I just go to Mass on Sunday or worship with my family or pray, um, instead of actually permeating all the way through. Right. Um, and I think that's what it means for to say that everything is basically related, essentially. Yep. Yeah, so, I think yeah. I think that's where, um, it's at that point where I feel like Peterson like comes to his end. 
mm-hmm. where he he posits this like deep foundation psychologically yeah. philosophically like economically like every layer possible on the natural foundations and then he like leaves you <laughs> to take a leap um, right and that's where right. somebody like jonathan peugeot um kind of takes that to like well here's how this fits into christianity completely yeah mm-hmm. um and then you know talking about how it's all connected it's not just it's not something you just like everybody should uh read philosophy in order to understand these things deeper it's like some people don't mm-hmm. um and like yeah. don't have the capacity yeah. um that's not like a, a dig on anybody on the bell curve but it's like how does this fit with people who aren't intellectual or right. who aren't going to go to college for this stuff yeah and that's where like peugeot talks a lot about ritual mm-hmm. yeah and the the nece- then uh the need to, to worship something and to, to focus attention on the highest thing and how, yeah. and how that integrates everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like you, you see habit and, and ritual in everything we do. And that's the basically related things. Like everything has to stack up yeah. to ultimately Christ. Um, yeah. So seeing that, that whole framework is, I feel like it's necessary to have that full completion of understanding that yeah. the ritual um, and the attention can go down to like you focusing your attention on your children. Yeah who then organize as a community to focus on the parish and then ultimately to Christ, you mm-hmm. know, like that all stacks up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think, right. Cause you know, for, it sounds like Lee and I, like, you know, we're very, um, uh, taken by our studies and it, you know, we had formal, um, learning in philosophy and theology. Whereas for you, um, while we, you know, we shared what we were reading. Um, I thought it was interesting when you said, when you were listening to Jordan Peterson, you saw how, uh, that related in your own life in raising your family or starting a business. Mm-hmm. And so there was that sense of like, we were coming at it from this rational, um, almost like immaterial sense, but you were like embodying, right? right what uh, what Peterson was kind of talking about. Mm-hmm. And so like both of those ways are ex- like both valid mm-hmm. and they both lead you to the same place. Yeah. Um, but like you said, like you don't even have to necessarily be aware of the philosophical rationality mm-hmm. behind what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're embodying it, um, that's that's as much as a valid way towards um, transcendence, if you want to put it that way, you know, mm-hmm. towards God, um, as learning about theology and philosophy. Um, yeah. So. yeah, you know, earlier you said um, something about you're coming at it from a lived perspective. And um, I, since getting engaged, many of my married friends who have children have talked to me about their children, or mm-hmm. I should say... As um, a warning? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, get out now. No, <laughs> um, you know, uh, particularly the men, you know, the fathers, mm-hmm. and they've all said the same thing, and they've all used this one word, which is something is activated in you as a man when you see your child, mm-hmm. and that's the same language actually that Jung uses about archetypes. Archetypes are activated in your psyche. Mm. So I know that because I've read Jung. <laughs> you know, right. like you know, I and I, I know that because. As Jonathan was saying, you know, from a rational, a rational perspective, but you know this experientially, you know, mm-hmm. like whether or not you had the language for yep. it or whatever, but you felt the archetype of father of the eternal father activated right. within you. Yep. So that's a type yeah. of knowledge, you mm-hmm. know, to, to experience yeah. that. Whereas, yeah. you know, like I said, I only know it because right. Jung told me yeah. in the book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, right. Yeah. yeah. I think those, that's a really important distinction. The idea of that, like rational knowledge versus like that intuition, mm-hmm. um, like you need both. Um, but that intuition, I feel like, is like really lost nowadays, um, and everything is like uh, it has to be this top-down view, um, as opposed to you know even the way a woman has an intuition, 
about something mm-hmm. and you can take that as a kind of, a kind of like lived wisdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, obviously then there's the male counterpart that like adds logos to that intuition. And then that's when you have that unity. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that, that, in, that intuitive life, uh, really fits in again. Like the, how do you live an intuitive life is like under a Christian framework. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's what Christianity posits is a solution to live both rationally and intuitively. And right. it, it actually like, it, it melds together perfectly. Yeah, I was just talking. I was just talking to a, a seminarian friend a couple of days ago, and we were talking about uh, nihilism. We were talking about um, having faith, kind of the the two extremes. <laughs> and he was, we were talking. We, we were talking about how we can logically convince somebody out of a nihilistic worldview. Mm. And I said, I said, I don't know if it's that easy to just logically say this is what's right, and then someone says, okay. And they're all yeah. automatically converted, right? You can take logic to its um, lo- it, to its end, and you still have to make a choice. Like there's still a um, kind of like a a leap of faith, as mm-hmm. it were, you know, to use the cliche. Uh, because ultimately, the Christian worldview is a relationship with a person, and I think that's a good analogy. Um, well, not just an analogy; that's what it is. <laughs> but a good analogy to that is a relationship with any person. Right, so uh, a man and a wife, you can learn as much as there is about her, but then you, there comes a point where you have to take the leap of faith and say, "I'm going to trust you now." Right, right. and and so Christianity is the same way. Like I can read as much Plato, um, Aristotle, I can read all the church fathers, but there comes a there's a subjective part to that mm-hmm. where say where where I say, "Okay, I have to now make a choice and like enter into a relationship." Essentially, yep, uh, and so. But that, that also fits well, I think, with the idea that, you know, the, the masculine uh, approach, um, and I'm using masculine and feminine here as uh, uh, archetypes, right? Not, not actually like a specific man and a mm-hmm. specific woman, but the, the, the masculine idea uh, of rationality, you know, um, ex- exploration, and then the feminine receptivity and, and intuition mm-hmm. that uh, I think that that, again, that, like you said, it completes that Christian worldview. And subjectively, when you're learning about Christianity, um, while you're not converted yet, once you take that leap, it's like the two meet inside of your soul, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just, that was, that was interesting. So, yeah, I like that a lot. Hmm. There's okay. so much to unpack there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> take a second to just um, <laughs> let yes. it soak in. Oh Savor it, I guess. But yeah, that's, um, that, yeah. So I, I think, and that's really a misunderstanding of faith, I think a lot of people think that there's an abandonment of reason. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. You know, when you enter into Christianity, there's things that you have to cut away, um, as if those things are not basically re- related, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, as if like, oh, if I need to be a Christian, then I can't really be interested in philosophy, or I can't be interested in science. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 all those things, if done well, lead you to something more, um, to that source. Yeah, uh, and I, that the idea of relationship with a person is like the perfect... Uh, model because if we just reduced my relationship with my wife to mere like rationale, yeah, yeah, I would mm-hmm. never engage with her on a human level, on a real level, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And to say that it's like, well, in order to like be with this person, you have to abandon your reason. Yeah, it seems like not accurate, but right. it's also not accurate to say I can only do this on a purely rational level. Yeah. So there has to be some sort of give and take where I have an intuition about my wife. She has an intuition about me and we, and we, we know each other in, in a, in a deeper sense than just on paper. Yeah. 
Um, and again, like the reason why the Christian worldview fits is because ultimately love itself is a person. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that, that's the whole idea. It's like, you can't like, you can't map this out on a different worldview, uh, that, that fits cohesively. Like when we say that, like, oh, the relationship with the person is, is a good example. It's, like, it's cause it's the example. Yeah. It's like the primordial like way that we know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's really interesting. Um, you said, you know, in Christianity, it's, it's a person because it, it seems like right around the time Christianity is, is starting or, you know, Christ, you know, comes to earth, you know, incarnation and Christianity um, starts to take off in the second century. You know, you, you see a coming together of two worlds, it seems like, because you have the, the ancient world where you just kind of, this is very simplified, but you just kind of did what the gods asked you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like there wasn't really like thinking about the gods and having a relationship with the gods. It was like, well, you know, the gods ask us to do this thing. And that's like at, at its best, you know, usually it was just like the gods really don't have anything to do with us. They just make the planet grow. And that's yeah. really it. <laughs> but then you also had some Greek philosophy taking off, which was a rationalization of the gods. Like what, you know, what is the prime mover? What is, you know, what is the unmoved mover? Um, but lacking, that was kind of the rational side. Um, and this was sort of like the blind faith side, yeah. it seemed like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is, of course, very simplified. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> you, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. you know, but r- very broadly speaking, we have kind of uh, Hel- like Hellenistic rational thought and sort of blind faith with the gods. Like, mm-hmm. the gods asked you to do this, do this. But then it seems like in Christianity, they're starting to come together, yeah. which is you have a faith of God has given commands and God does want some things from you, but there's also not a complete sacrifice of the intellect. Right. I don't know right. if that makes sense. Yeah. No, but, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Kind of a coming together these two worlds in, in, in a person mm-hmm. yeah. that does make actually does make demands of you, faith right. demands, yeah. but also you can um, have a relationship with, and you can even philosophize right. about. It, and it's, um, yeah, Christianity really is that um, perfect melding together of, of those two worlds. Um, just yesterday, the, the gospel um, was, uh, Christ, um, he was praying to his father, um, and then he he goes into this um, like a, a ma- maxim, saying that no one knows the father except the son, and anyone to whom the son wishes to reveal him. And so there's this idea that the only access to the transcendent is actually through a relationship through a person, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know, the Judeo-Christian um, tradition is that yes, there is a God outside you. Uh, and like Lee was saying, like he commands things of you, but then now that God becomes a person and wants to, is subjectivized, right? And so like the objective and subjective is like, it, there's no better melding um, between the objective and the subjective than Christianity, at least in my mm-hmm. understanding. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not a perfect studier of all, you know, world religions, mm-hmm. but it just it seems like, you know, one of the best ways I've heard it put is that Christianity just fits with the human condition. Right. Um, it, it, it just fits with the human condition. And there's a lot of things that are, we, we might not be able to rationalize everything perfectly, but there's intuitively, there's this rest that we have with these truths of Christianity. Um, like, you know, this idea that um, love is the ultimate value. It's like, that's extremely Christian. But for right. some reason, we just accept that as, mm-hmm. you know, valid. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But you, so. can also, you can also see how that played out in history. And it's like, you either have a complete melding of the two, um, or you have something like the body is nothing, and so mm-hmm. we should transcend. Yeah. Um, or there is no spirit, and we should just be materialists. Right. Right. Um, and so you see what actually played out in order to like how do we have material prosperity per se 
while spiritually transcending mm-hmm. and you see Western civilization. Yeah. Like it's the only thing that has worked thus far. Everything else has like decayed. Right. Yeah. So, right. I mean, at, at just at a pure, like what is working in the world that posits as yeah. the best solution. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and so, the, yeah, of course you don't want to be utilitarian about Christianity, but at the same time, if Christianity is true, then it will lead to human flourishing. Right. And that's, <laughs> right. Not, that's so. not prosperity gospel. Right. That's like, yeah, yeah. that's an incarnational idea that like this truth and this goodness and this beauty that is a person yeah. is in everything. And yeah. that all, all of matter and the way that life works is in union with God. Right. And so that if, if you want that to flourish, you have to be uh, uh, paying attention to the right thing. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and that lens of wonder, almost. I think, um, ultimately, if you embrace the Christian worldview, you, you don't, like, like we said multiple times, you don't abandon reason. But I think the opposite actually happens, that your reason, actually is, your reason is actually heightened. And so, you know, a blade of grass is no longer a material thing that randomly happened, but actually is, you know, you can trace it back to God, mm-hmm. which is cr- like a or a wild idea. And um, I think that that's what led to ultimately, like the, even the scientific method is kind of base, based on this idea that things are intelligible. That means that they can tell us something about reality. And right. so now a blade of grass is not just something that you can walk on. That's, uh, you know, uh, an obstacle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but now you can actually look at it and like meditate on it. Right. right. And, and under like, so what is this blade of grass telling mm-hmm. me about the world? Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So I don't want to sound too naturalist, and you know, like, <laughs> but you know, panthe- it's not pantheism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, not saying that yeah. like, mm-hmm. it's God itself, but it yeah. tells us something mm-hmm. about reality, right? Yeah, so. that's um, that's that's really interesting because um, I was reading um, Mathieu Peugeot. Yeah, I hope I said that right. Bring that mic a little bit closer to your face. Is okay. Yeah, you're good. Okay, I, I was afraid I was yelling at it. How's it now? No, no, you're <laughs> <Okay>. good. <laughs> um, uh, I was reading his book on uh, biblical symbolism, and he has a he has a breakdown similar to Peterson. You know, the world is a place of action, in, in doing, or a world is a place of things. Mm. And Mathieu has a world, the spiritual perspective, which is what does it mean, like what what does this thing mean, versus what is it made of. Mm. Yeah, and right. I think the Christian worldview is supposed to unite those two, mm-hmm. but um, I guess taking it. In a Nietzschean perspective, Christianity, because it demythal, demythologized? Yeah, it's the worst word. De- uh, yeah. yeah. Um, demythed. We'll yeah, say. Yeah. Demythed. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I'm not even sure that's real, but, yeah. you know, uh, demythed the world. Um, there is no kind of, uh, because they demythed the world, it allowed for the scientific method. Mm-hmm. But then that scientific method turned back on Christianity. Yes, right. right, 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 and then demythed Christianity. Right. So, right. so looking at the, the looking at the trees and looking at the sun, these used to be, you know, Father Sun and, and Mother Moon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like these, like yeah. the, the the grass grew from the body of a goddess. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> now it's like no, 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 no. Those are just natural things. Yeah. Right. Um. So it, I think, the Christian walks a fine line between realizing that these are material things; they're not gods. gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they do point to the splendor of God. Right. right. And that, and that yep. kind of, because again, it, it's the, uh, it, the uniting of the two. Mm-hmm. Right. It unites this pagan worldview that all things point to God, but then also that they are not them gods themselves. Right. 
Yeah. And and ultimately, that's what um, Christianity espouses. That you know the pagan worldview, while it was you know not entirely correct, there was they were getting at something that was valid. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and so, like you know, the good philosopher always distinguishes, right? Makes distinctions, saying like, "Yes, okay, they were getting at something here, but it's not the whole picture." And so, you're able to you know carefully dissect uh, what is good and what is um, not correct right. uh, or not true. And, and that's Christianity at its best. Like it's always taken the best parts of every culture. Uh, and, and kind of baptized it and saying like, look, all these things are, again, basically related. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, but, and it fits into this worldview. Um, that was another, um, I remember while I was at Belmont, uh, that's another thing that kind of opened my eyes was like studying literature uh, and studying uh, history and all, all these subjects that were not explicitly, explicitly Christian, but still finding something profound about human nature that is ultimately answered in Christ, right? And so um, th- I, I've made this claim before, but that any, for, I'm a literature major, so one reading literature, any literature that's worth its salt is trying to get at something about human nature, right? Whether it be um, hope, right? Good versus evil, um, heroism, love, mm-hmm. you know, any, any good literature is trying to get at those things from a new perspective, as it were. And in, if we believe that in Christianity God became man, and that means that in the person of Christ, that man-God, God-man, perfection lies within that individual, then all those things that literature is trying to get at is answered in Christ. Right. And so, you know, that, that idea that every like you could take the best of anything you encounter mm-hmm. and just, like, connect it. Like, ease, not... not, not yeah, in a sense, easily, you know, yeah. um, anything that's good mm-hmm. that exists. Is or the to worst, be, yeah. you know, like or, to say that well, Christ yeah. embodied everything. That's, that's that a good he point. descended into hell. Yeah. And so like, what is it like to suffer? What is right. it like to die? To um, die, yeah, yeah to yeah. be mm-hmm. falsely accused, to, right. to fear. Right. Yeah. And and going back to that um, Augustinian um, idea that um, if it's not explicitly pointed to Christ, it's implicitly. Mm-hmm. And so even like the most nihilistic, uh, nihilistic works of art, you know, that don't make any reference to God, that shows sin on full display. Uh, if there's something intriguing about it, like, you know, or artful in the way it's done, uh, you can almost take that as saying, like, well, this is a life without God, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so you can almost mm-hmm. see it as, like, yeah, that's where sin leads, right? Or that's right. where, um, you know, that's that's what Christ came to overcome, you right. know? So even in things that are um, abhorrent, um, it's is still trying to reach, again, so it's trying to express something about the human condition mm-hmm. um, that, again, is answered in Christ. You can't, you can't escape the Christian story, essentially. Um, if God did become man, then if, and if everything is implicitly or explicitly pointing to him, then everything we do, in some sense, you just can't escape that. You know, like you can't escape the Christian narrative, as it were. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, that's a good transition point to talk about uh, art a little bit and uh, how that shows up in the culture and in things like film, music, uh, literature. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, that's what kind of opened my eyes to things like psychology, uh, to Jung and to Peterson, when he would pull in different uh, cultural art p- 
pieces, whether it be the Pieta or Pinocchio yeah. mm-hmm. or Star Wars, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I, the idea that those things are touching on something that speaks deeply to the human level mm-hmm. on a multi-level analysis and and then gets fulfilled in Christianity, mm-hmm. like blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, these um these common these common motifs mm-hmm. that are all throughout literature, all throughout art, all throughout, you know, the history of religion, that they all can be found in Christianity is very strange. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's very strange, you know, that um there are many aspects there are many things that happen in the old and new testament, in the sayings of Christ that you can find in these other works of art yeah and that even play out in things like disney right <laughs> you know like he says like uh, yeah. jiminy cricket mm-hmm. is his, is pinocchio's um conscience conscience yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but his initials are jc yeah right yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like you know what i mean it's like wait what's yeah. that about yeah. like right. you know like like you yeah. know it's like yeah. you know jesus christ is your uh-huh. conscience is your conscience yeah. you know like or like yeah. jesus christ is a archetypal figure mm-hmm. of your conscience yeah, right, that, right. you know, you can't ever get rid of. Right. You know, um, it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Once you start studying, um, or seeing, um, common, mo- uh, common literary motifs, it's like, you can't help but to see them everywhere now. Yeah. Like said, yeah. Like once you start right. seeing Pearson, then you start yeah. seeing it in yeah. Disney. It's, yeah. it, it's crazy. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Really. Right. Um, and that's what I appreciate about, um, Peterson is that he's able to tie in all these different um, uh, like uh, levels of learning and different sources um, into something that he's getting at, you know, and he uses, in his biblical lecture series, he uses scripture as that one thing that all these things are pointing to. Uh, and, you know, that I think that just, that goes to show really that the more you educate yourself, the more you learn, uh, again, that's not going to take you away from faith, but actually lead you closer to it, right? So... Uh, the fact that he can tie in a a beautiful cathedral to Dostoevsky, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, to Nietzsche, then to the scriptures, and then talking about Renaissance art, it's like, like all that stuff is not the the more he's connecting things, the more it actually gives validity to what he's talking about, not less. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah, if- yeah. That's that's been something I've been thinking about in terms of my lyric writing and how to how to not be. Uh, writing idiosyncratically, just kind of like, here's my story, and it's just particular to me. It's like, how is right. this How is this sacred? Mm-hmm. How is this mm-hmm. connected? It's not sacred, but how is it connected to something higher? Um, and I think that there's a, again, like the, 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 way, the way an artist will write is intuitive. Mm-hmm. And you know that as a writer yourself. Yeah. Um, and so my, my mission has been to just learn about all these things, and then to, to kind of focus my frame on how I see the world and then speak from my perspective. Right. And so it's right. not that I'm going to all of a sudden start writing church music. Yeah. It's going to be that I'm not idiosyncratic. Like what I have to say speaks on a level that's connected to something higher, ultimately Christ. Right. But, you know, it speaks on a certain archetype or certain struggles or whatever that are, that are real and not particular to me. Yeah. Just me. Right. And yeah, and I think that's in my mind. That's kind of the role of the artist is to be authentic about expressing what has inspired you, 
right? Yeah. And so, you know, you're taking in all this art and, and learning as much as you can. Uh, it's inspiring you to create. But then how do you express that in your own words, mm-hmm. right? And and that authenticity about your own subjective experience of the transcendentals, of truth, goodness, and beauty. That's what I think is the basis of art, when it's authentic. Right. And so I think, you, you know, there can be songs and there are songs of course that are that do speak of just like a normal everyday life mm-hmm. you know um, a man like trying to love a woman uh and it might be very personal and it could even be a true story about the the artist's own life but if he's authentic about it uh i think it's going to a- anyone can relate to that and, right. and so and then that's where it connects to the objective right um, yeah, and, and that's but yeah. that's the, that's where I see the difference between authenticity and like truth. You know, like one could be authentic, but not true. Like, what if your authenticity mm-hmm. is not like aligned with how reality works? Right. Um, so, insofar as your authenticity is t- touching on something that's true, like a man loving a woman, like that's true. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where I see that difference because I mean, myself, it's I feel like it's a, a struggle because. I'm high in openness, but then also high in conscientiousness and industriousness. Mm-hmm. So, like, I want to do that top down. Like, how do I fit symbolism and and deep thinking mm-hmm. into these words? And it's like, there's there's mm-hmm. more of an of an intuitive approach to these things that you kind of take in and then release. But there has to be a taking in first yeah. instead of you putting into the art. Yeah. Um, That's yeah. I, I've been learning that. Like, it's yeah. You know, I'm still on the journey, but it's it's been. Uh, been really eye-opening on how uh how much i've had to switch my perspective from this kind of top down to this more intuitive approach right yeah when i tried my hand at poetry i wrote like five (laughs) poems that was my problem it was like this is way too on the nose like the the symbols are like way too obvious like this is this is and this what this what makes it bad but in some ways the artist almost has to really be um consumed consumed by the a muse almost yep and like you mm-hmm. almost have to like you know like talk about like these like ecstatic trances almost you almost have to just write yep yep and not because like once you start thinking and it's like oh like what, like, what yep. does the symbol mean it's like well then now you're ruined you're like yeah and i couldn't I, yeah. like, I, I couldn't reconcile with that like that was too yeah. hippie for me i was like i don't want to like, yeah, right. like let the muses talk to you man yeah, it's like, exactly. but now i say that on the regular it's like i just yeah. need to listen to the muses yeah. Um, yeah 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 well that's you know that's uh i mean that's certainly what what Jung thought that like all these great works of art, you know, religions and everything come from the unknown. Yeah. yeah. And that's why they're, that's why they're experienced as a revelation mm. is because they're not consciously created. Right. right. So your music is seen as something that came of muse that came from outside yeah, of really you. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and that it, in order for it to be, I think both authentic and true, it, that's, it seems like it has to come from that place because um, like you said, it's not just, not just authentic, but if it's coming from something that's authentic and true, it will be, I would I would expect maybe archetypal, and right. things that are archetypal are, right. are true. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, and then there's the problem of like, okay, so you're authentic, you're true, it's touching on something archetypal. Do you make good songs? Yeah, And there's the craft. You know, like it's <laughs> right. just yeah, a yeah. whole thing. Um, it's just yeah, it's it's a. I feel like there's a microcosm in being an artist that expands to almost saying that like, you could you could posit that this kind of intuitive. Uh, worldview that we're suggesting is a, an artistic perspective yeah and that yeah. you're you're yeah. you're yeah. seeing things you're seeing the connectedness in things and then 
and then you respond. Right. And that's why, you know, it's we can refer to Christianity as a narrative, right? And, and that's kind of what um, Peterson touches on is that, you know, there's a grand narrative in Scripture. And so that narrative, you know, means that it's related to a story that's being told that tells us something about ourselves. And, and when we can see that the Christian story is a narrative, then, like Lee was saying earlier, we put ourselves into that narrative, and then we're living that story. And so, you know, I think the artist's role is not just to um, entertain us, right? But it's actually telling us, again, something about ourselves and, and, and creating that um, narrative where we can put ourselves into. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then even if the narrative is that we call God Father, then that necessarily makes us female. If there's going to be a union between masculine and feminine. So like the world created is female. And so that, that, that notion of receptivity mm-hmm. really comes into play of like, we need to revisit that idea of receiving of intuiting yeah uh, because the whole narrative yeah. is that god is male to us yeah. yeah and so how do we like what do we do with that like, yeah. that's the whole bottom of everything right yeah. is that we receive and, and anytime yeah. we try to become hyper masculine or try to subdue god um it falls apart right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right and that's yeah. um and that, again that goes back to the idea of being an artist that the artist receives yeah yeah exactly yeah. he yeah. creates mm-hmm. but he has to receive first yep. yeah um this this is a this is a topic for another time but this whole idea of uh, receiving I th- in, in sort of this feminine aspect of Christianity, mm-hmm. I think is, has always been difficult for Christians, as particularly men, yeah. even to this day. Yep. Because there's an element of, especially spirituality and Christian mysticism, um, that's feminine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's hard for men to grasp that there right. is a sense that you have yep. to receive and be submissive um you have to enter into a loving relationship with yeah. a conceptually masculine figure right, you know, right. like things start you know it, it's i think it's difficult for for men to understand that yeah. um and i even saw something recently on instagram um talking about like the femininity of saint john of the cross mm-hmm. and his poetry and it is and yeah. you know when you read it it's 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 it can be hard as a man to to enter into that. Right. Um, Peterson just released a video about, you know, Christian churches appealing to young men. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. That, that it's, it's yeah. hard to get to this. Like, what do you mean? I have to love Jesus. Yeah. Right. 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 You know, and everything like receptive. Exactly. Like I have to, you know, kind of be on my knees in submission to this authority figure. Right. Like, a, you know, and like you said, talking about yeah. female rece- re- receptivity, you know, like being, you know, it, it yeah, it's, it's, yeah, we should definitely it's, talk about that another yeah, time. Yeah, I say, um, yeah, I just say I don't want to talk too but much yeah, more, yeah. but that's yeah, another but time. Yeah, even but. the fact that like, um, like the feminists are right in a certain sense when they say it's a man's world, and that the material world and the city and technology is all this kind of masculine endeavor mm-hmm. of going out and exploring, and so it's like women are trying to integrate that masculine reality, and that's that tension. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas men are trying to integrate that receptivity, spiritual aspect, and the, there you have that like dualism of like. It, Christianity unifies both those things. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, for, for sure, we definitely need to get into that. Yeah, I have a lot more to say, but I, I think we should say that for another Yeah, <laughs> I, I, Yeah, I think so. Episode. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. That, you know, yeah. So Yeah, okay. Uh, That's a good place to stop. Good. Um, goodbye. Goodbye.